Hi everyone, this is Maria Scobepilei, and you're listening to Women in Customer Success podcast, the first women-only podcast where remarkable ladies of customer success share their stories and practical tools to help you succeed and make an impact. If you want to learn more about customer success, get career advice and be inspired, you're in the right place. So let's tune in. Welcome to the Women in Customer Success podcast. In this episode, I am so happy to introduce you to my guest. Well, actually, probably she doesn't need introduction. I'm <laughs> sure that you all already know her. Welcome, Erika Villarreal, Principal Customer Success Manager at Aptura. Welcome to the show, finally. Thank you very much, Marie. I've been dreaming for you to invite me to this podcast, so I'm really excited to be here. I am willing to share anything to all of your listeners. So thank you very much for an invitation. Ooh, thank you for saying you want to share everything. Okay, let's start with something interesting. Quick, rapid fire. Erica, how many languages do you speak? I actually speak three languages. I speak English. I, Spanish is my native language. And many people don't know this, but I also speak Japanese. I studied eight years of Japanese when I was in high school and college. I am still very basic, so don't expect me to have a really long conversation, but I read and understand anime and I've been to Japan too, so I was able to defend myself when I was there. <laughs> wow, excellent. What about if we do this? I say hello in my native language, in Croatian, and then you tell me hello in Japanese. Shall we do that? We shall. <laughs> Zdravo, Erika. Konnichiwa, Marija. Oh, wow. That was very good. Cool, cool. Next one. Are you an introvert or extrovert? I consider myself an extrovert, but sometimes I do have the feeling, especially when we have like big networking events that I have an introvert at heart. Sometimes it's difficult to start conversations, but I do enjoy talking to people, going out and building great relationships. So extrovert would be my answer. What would be your dream destination to move next if you could? If I could move, I think I could definitely move to Berlin, Berlin, Germany. I've been there twice. And I think it's a very fun and just exciting city. There's a lot of people from all over the world. There's a lot of cultures in Berlin. So I think it's, even though I don't know German, I feel like it's a very fun city. So Berlin, Germany would be my answer. Would the 16-year-old you be surprised to find you in this current job? Yes, actually, my 16-year-old person thought she would be creating the next level of makeup. I always thought that I was going to be, well, I actually did study chemical engineering. So it was kind of like my passion when I was growing up. And I always thought that I would be working for L'Oreal, I don't know, uh, creating something different, you know, makeup. And I don't know, like I just steered my way into other type of businesses, ended up working in the financial institution. So if I look back, I think I would be very much surprised of being in technology. Ooh, I like both of you. But if I could talk with 16-year-old Erica, I would tell her, if you start mixing up some very good, organic, natural, uh, <laughs> healthy ingredients that will help busy moms working in customer success do the skin routine very quickly without thinking too much about it, we can talk. Definitely. So, <laughs> if you ever want to pursue that career, I will be your first customer. Amazing. 
that actually leads us to start talking about your career. And it's about time that you can introduce yourself to the listeners. I'm Erika. I'm Mexican. I was born and raised in Monterrey, Mexico, with my mom and my family and everything. I started chemical engineering. And then right now, things that make me passionate, I've been moved into the customer success world. I've been doing customer success for a little bit over four or five years. And I love, I love my work. I love everything related to customer success. If you've seen me post about it, I'm also very active on LinkedIn, sharing with the community, helping other people and other professionals land their customer success dream job and helping people improve on how to be a better CSM at work. Thanks for that, Erica. And I need to admit, I've been following your journey, well, probably, well, pretty much almost three years. <laughs> I, I remember you probably since COVID days, since, well, all of our life moved into LinkedIn for some reason as a customer success community. You've been doing really some cool stuff for the community. You mentioned just some of them, but like you've been involved with CS ladies, helping out women in customer success. You've been doing lots of work with CS Insider and just posting your own best practices and simply things that you found useful in your career. Where is that coming from? Like one thing is being active online. That's a cool thing. Everybody almost can be active in some way. But the other thing is what you're doing really intentionally creating very useful content for the overall community. And that requires time and effort and research and lots of love from your end. <laughs> Where did that come from? It's really admirable. Appreciate that, Maria. Yeah, I took a lot of pride on that work. I believe that everything comes from me four years ago. I don't know if everyone knows that part of my journey or that part of my story, but when I was working back in Mexico, I was working for a company for 10 years. I realized that I needed to make a change. I needed to make a leap. And then I did this change during the pandemic. So I decided to quit my job in June of 2020 and I was out of a job. And then I decided that I wanted to move to the US in search for my next opportunity, right? So at that time, I didn't really know if I wanted to do customer success or if I wanted to do something else and ended up deciding that I want to pursue customer success as a career. And when I was trying to do that, it was very difficult for me. Even though I was a co-founder of a fintech startup, I was very experienced. I had worked in the technology industry for six years at that time, and it was getting really hard for me to land that job, right? And I understand that it was the pandemic. A lot of people were out of a job, and it was really difficult to continue during this interview process and, and land the role. So I decided that I wanted to share my experience on LinkedIn, and I thought that would call the attention of hiring managers at that time, which it actually did. Uh, it helped me a ton during my job search process. And I was able to land my first role in six months. I invested a lot of time in that. And then I started to create content, then followed a lot of CS leaders out there. You included Christy, Miranda, and found this community on LinkedIn. It was like, wow, there's much more than just jobs on LinkedIn. So that's how it all started. I started sharing with the community and then I started seeing that people were very interested in what I wanted to say. And I just went from there. I started sharing content that helped other professionals go through that same journey that I went through in 2020. And I think that was very successful because that was very valuable for the community. Well, there's so much that I could draw from that. And I know we could go in so many different directions from here. But just let's go back to that 
time and you were thinking whether you would pursue customer success or not. So it was already pandemic. It started. What made you decide that customer success is the right career? And then the second one, like, what are all of those things that you were pursuing to get into industry? Because as you said, even if you had previous tech experience, people come from all sorts of different backgrounds into customer success, but it's never easy and you really need to find that your own narrative. So what helped you break into the industry? I had been a customer success manager back in Mexico right before I quit my job. Like I had been doing a customer success and I quote enhance customer success type of role because I feel that role was a bit different in Mexico. We did it wasn't as intense as it is here in the US. Like I didn't have like all of these workflows and I didn't have all of these customer journey and success plans and business reviews. It wasn't like that. But I was still trying to make my customers successful, right? At the end of the day, I did have somewhat experience. And when I was looking at roles, when I decided to quit my job and say, what do I want to do next? I was evaluating sales, I was evaluating product, I was evaluating customer success. So what I did was take a step back. I started to understand what I was good at. I took a lot of tests online to kind of like see what my strengths were and what my weaknesses were. And from that test, I realized that I had a really good, well, I was very skilled at building relationships. I was very skilled at understanding data. I was very analytical and things like that. And when I was looking into the roles, I was like, well, product management, yeah, that sounds fun. But didn't really excite me. It didn't make my eyes shine, you know, like it was like a ah, product thinking about the backlog and all of these product requirements made me dread that part of the role. And I've also done sales roles in the past. And, and I feel like sales is very money oriented more than success outcome oriented, right? So for me, given that I have always been a person who likes to help others and who I don't know, commits to the success of other people, other customers. I thought that customer success was the best fit for me. I went through the job description. I understood what a customer success manager should be doing, read about all of the success outcomes, how to help customers solve their challenges, data analysis, when health scores come around, and how do I make strategic decisions on how to help my customers get to those desired outcomes, right? And I decided that that was what I wanted to do next. Like, hey, this is something that I really feel passionate about. And I feel like when you're passionate about what you do, then you're your best version of yourself. So I chose customer success and I have been doing that since I moved here. So it's been like two, two years of all in customer success. Before at my previous roles, I was used to doing a lot of many things. I was aware of many hats. I worked at a really small startup. So I got to do sales and marketing and operations and even finance and accountability and things like that. And I was like, I want to I wanna focus on only one thing. I want to be an expert at something. And then that something became customer success. So that's what I've been doing so far. I think you actually made a pretty big leap or jump, shall I say. Because you said you had little experience in customer success previously, which mm -hmm. looked a bit different than what you're doing at the moment. But then, most recently, you've been in a role as a principal customer success <laughs> manager, which is, you know, not just your average CSM role that everybody can do. This seems to be much more strategic role. So can you tell us what does a principal CSM actually mean and how does that whole job looks like for you on a daily basis? 
Interestingly enough, when I started doing customer success, I was able to move really fast up the ladder. Like I started as an entry-level CSM, then I was hired as a strategic CSM, and, and in less than two years, I was already a principal CSM. So principal CSM, it's the same type of CSM role, but focus more on strategic accounts. So that means that you have bigger ARR customers who require a lot of attention. They're high touch and they need to be sort of like welcome to your many other products that you have. Your objective as a principal CSM is make sure that you are servicing the account, that they're meeting their business outcomes. But at the end of the day, you're also looking to expand as much as possible their book of business, right? So that means means a lot of deep conversations of what you want to do next, what their goals are for using your product and identifying opportunities that can help them grow, increase the ARR with you. And at the end of the day, it's a very high touch conversation with them. So if I had to compare the roles between principal CSM, senior CSM, and an entry-level CSM, the only thing that's different in a way, it's you get to do less customers because there's a lot of ARR value in it. And you meet with them more frequently than you would do with a customer who is only paying, I don't know, 30000 per year, for example. So you get to have customers who are above 600000 in ARR, and you basically are trying to grow these accounts as much as possible. Excellent. So let's talk about the practicalities of the role. You already mentioned strategic accounts. Very briefly, how many accounts and how much in ARR are you dealing with? Approximately, of course, no need for trade secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I manage a business portfolio of around 20 customers with 2.5 million in ARR. I think that some scholars would tell you that this is exactly like the perfect ratio of accounts and ARR for a high-touch <laughs> model. So, you know, checked, kudos, that, that's really good. Now, let's talk about what is it that you actually are doing with those customers on a daily basis. I don't know if you want to take us through your typical day or as an example of a typical customers and what are all of those things that you're like orchestrating for them to recognize the growth and to save them and to make them successful. The first thing that I would say that's really important when you're trying to grow an account is actually getting to know your customers. And getting to know your customers means understanding everything that they've worked with from sales and the professional services team, like getting a really good sales transition to CS, right? The more that you know about your customer, why they bought your solution, what challenges they were facing, why did they start searching for Reptura, right? What is it that they are looking to achieve? And the more that you know about the challenges that they're facing, the more that you can help them solve those challenges. So the first thing is really understanding what the pain points are. Then once you're able to identify the pain points and once you're able to understand how you're going to get them there, the success plan, of course, right? I build a success plan together with my accounts and I say, okay, from the conversations that we've had, from everything that I've learned from sales, these are your challenges. These are your goals. And we make a plan together on how we're going to achieve those goals. So for example, at Aptura, we're a workplace management solution. We're trying to bring people back into the office. Uh, you know, that after the pandemic, everyone went remote and people like working remote. Some people don't want to return to the office. 
And our software allows our customers to understand how their space is being utilized at their offices, understand how much space they can be saving because people are just working remotely and they're flexible type of environment. So they want to understand their data, right? So many of my customers want to deep dive into data specifics of what's happening in their offices. And that's kind of like their outcome they want to achieve. And based off that, we make a plan. And that plan is how are we going to communicate this new feature or how are we going to communicate this new product to all of your employees to make sure that people, when they're coming into the office, they can book a desk, they can book a room, they can book whatever space they need to be productive at work. So that plan is made. And then basically my role is to make sure that I follow up on that plan and that I keep track of those outcomes and those objectives, right? So many times it's the usage of the software. How many people are actually making the bookings? How many people are actually showing up at the office? How can we make that number bigger? Because that's the end goal of my customers, right? Bringing more people into the office. So once that's done, that success plan then translates into checkup points and that checkup points, they can either be monthly or they can be quarterly. I don't think that there needs to be like a specific timeline to have business review with your customers to review how you've been doing so far. People like to call them QBRs, quarterly business reviews. For me, it's it doesn't really matter if it's quarterly, monthly or however it, it is. But as long as I can meet with them and show progress of where we're at, where we should be, what we need to adjust to get there. And once that's done, at the end of the year, it's follow-up touch points and make sure that I am also taking care of the renewal, that before the renewal, they understand the value that we're bringing to their organization and manage the renewal, that whole process, and then start again, right? So while I'm doing that, for me, one of the, the biggest things is active listening. So it's paying a lot of attention to what they're saying. If they're saying they have a specific challenge around, I don't know, how to configure desks, for example, and we have a solution that can help people be automatically checked into their desk, for example, I'm always sharing what I know of my product, which is why I believe that to be really successful in identifying opportunities, you should be able to know your product too. You can't help your customer if you don't know what your product does, if you don't understand all of the products that you offer, it's going to be very difficult for you to help your customer achieve those outcomes. Thank you for giving a nice, really, overview of, well, even playbooks. Uh, what are those different mm -hmm. engagement points that you're doing with your customers? And I like you basically summarize. It's all about getting to know them, to know their pain, to match your solutions with their pain. That's why you have to know your solutions. Exactly. And then you are reviewing the progress, like what was done, what needs to be done in the same or different ways. So it all sounds like an amazing fairy tale. You're working very well <laughs> with your customers. They like you. You are ticking all the boxes. You are going through the motions of a nice partnership from one QBR to another. Uh, by the way, QBRs or EBRs are you know, my favorite part of a CSM role ever. And I like how you said, it doesn't really matter what is the timeline and how you call it. It's just about the content. You review exactly. partnerships so far and then you see what's happening next. However, now, as we said, this is all how it works in a nice ideal world. Now let's have a scenario. Let's say I'm your customer. I like you. I like what you do. I like the product. I like all about it. But I would personally avoid any type of meeting ever if I can, meaning that I will not be coming to your meetings just because they're in my calendar or 
again, I'm not a fan of email. So if I don't have to respond to your email, I will not. You know, I'm trying to do my job from the best abilities that I can. I want to have work-life balance, meaning again, whatever I can remove from my calendars, I will do it. In other words, I'm ghosting you. So what do you do? That's a great question. The first thing is, if a customer is ghosting me, the first thing that I do is understand their data. So if it's a customer that's doing well, if it's a customer that's booking desks and booking rooms and that's using my software and that is self-sufficient and they can do all things with my help center or with all of my help documentation and they understand how to do the technical stuff, I don't really require them to be meeting with me every month or meeting with me every quarter if they don't need it. So one of the things that I do is I ask when I am receiving a new customer from the sales team and I am onboarding them, kind of like introduce myself and say, this is my role. These are my responsibilities. How would you like to meet with me? Like, that's one question that I ask them. And if it's like, I don't want to meet with you every month, that's fine. I am going to be doing my own work every month either way. I'm going to be making sure that I am reviewing your data, that everything is working as expected. And if you don't need me there, that's fine. I can send the information to you as long as an acknowledgement, hey, yeah, I got this or whatever for me, that's fine. If they're ghosting me and they're not replying to emails and they're not doing well, that's a different story, right? If they're not doing well and if I see that product usage is dropping and if I see that things are not going as expected possibly for me or for them, then I try to find different strategies to get them to respond and to get them to interact with me again. And that means sharing something, for example, that adds value to them that they might not get from my software or that they might not get from my platform. And then that added value may be something benchmarked to other of my customers or something new that came up uh, that I think would be of value for them. Anything that adds value. One of the things that I say a lot is that it's not about checking in with customers, hey, just because you want a response, is it's adding value in every interaction that you have with them. So if they're not replying to you, the main reason why that is, is because probably you're not adding value to the conversation, right? So look for ways to do your research or look for ways to find things that might interest them. Share those things over email or maybe have a call with them and say, hey, I sent you this information, this benchmark or whatever, and I guarantee you that there would be a reply. Now, the world is not perfect. Customers will churn. We know that. Like if they're not using your tool, they're not replying to you and nothing that you do will save the account, that's fine too. It's not your fault. It's not your CSM responsibility just to make sure that everything is 100% renewal. Like Life happens, you know, churn happens, and that's okay. So as long as you do all of your effort and all of your activities to make sure that you can bring this customer back, I think you're good. Thanks for providing a few different scenarios. I think you summarized something really well. Firstly, it's not about checking in with the customers because no one needs it. <laughs> they can't see the value from it. But I think that's really important for, for the listener. Like, it's not about putting your own process into the customer and then thinking, oh my gosh, they're not responding to my email. Well, are you just inviting them for a meeting in that email? Like, sorry, exactly. would they attend ever? <laughs> like they have other things to do in their lives, of course. But are you sending those different snippets of valuable data? Uh, as you mentioned, are you sending some information about a course or uh, an article that might be useful for them? 
And I would say just keep on doing it. Maybe they will not even respond for months because they're just quite happy with receiving those value bites. But at some point when they will need you, they will know that you are a valuable person to talk to. You gave us so much insights into what are those activities that you are doing with your customers, basically in order to make them successful. Ultimately, that is making your own company successful as well, because with successful customers come renewals, come expansions, growth opportunities. You need to know those numbers. So aside from what is it that you're making customers successful, as a CSM within your own company, how can you be successful? And what are the things that you are doing to, shall I say, promote internally how successful you are with your customers? That's a great question, Marija. I actually shared a snippet of this because the year ended, you know, and for me, it's really important to reflect on how that year went. So one of the things that I highly recommend to every CS professional is to know their metrics. You know when a customer is successful because they expand their business, because they renew, because they're still with you, they're replying to your messages, and they're actually achieving their business outcomes, right? But how do you know that you as a CSM are being successful at your company? The only way to know that is actually be able to track your own metrics. So tracking your own metrics sometimes means, uh, well, sometimes you won't receive this information directly from your manager if you're in a very mature organization where CS is already super defined and you have your playbooks and you are using your CS platform and things like that, you might be able to be knowledgeable around what your metrics are. But if you're working in a smaller organization or a startup type of world, I, for instance, don't work in a startup and still don't get that data from my manager. So one of the things that I suggest is you being able to track those metrics. So what that means is understanding how you start your year. So say, for example, I have my 20 accounts and my 2.5 million ARR book of business in January, right? So how is that trending along the months? How did that compare to February, to March, to April, or to December? So as the year goes by, you're starting to note all of the things that your customers uh, have been able to do because of the work that they do with you, right? Either you were able to identify an opportunity for expansion because they were running out of licenses and the usage was exceeding expectations. So you got them to upsell 500 licenses or 1,000 licenses, or you got them to buy an additional product or change from premium A to premium B, and that meant that the customer was going to grow 20% at the end of the year. So understanding what you're doing good during that year, that's helping you grow those customers into more revenue at the end of the year, that's numbers that you should know, right? So what are the things that I track for myself? I track renewal rates. So for example, if I started in January with 20 customers, how many customers did I end up with at, in December? From those 20, 20 renewed, so I've had 100% renewal. Perfect. Now, how much ARR was I able to bring during that period of time, right? So if I started with 2.5 million in ARR and those 20 customers and December ended with 3.5 million ARR and I increased 1.1 million in ARR, I know exactly which customers were the ones that I was able to upsell, which customers I was able to identify upselling opportunities, which customers are the ones that are giving me this extra amount of money at the end of the year. And owning revenue for me, it's very important because I know we've heard this many times in customer success. Is customer success getting a seat at the table 
proving the value to the company of what you're doing and your work, making sure that they don't see customer success as a cost center, but more of a revenue generator, right? So knowing these metrics is really important. At the end of the day, when you meet with your manager, you can say, hey, look, this is what I've done. I started with this amount of ARR in January. This is how I ended up in December. I was able to upsell six out of my 20 accounts, and that translates into 20% or 30%. Knowing those numbers is also going to help facilitate conversations with your managers to say, hey, look, these are my achievements. I'd like to move into this role. I'd like to be promoted to this role or whatever you want to do with your career, right? Whether it's climbing up the ladder, uh, corporate ladder, or whether it's landing that product role or whether it's that sales role or whatever you're looking for. But knowing your numbers and understanding how well you're doing, that's really invaluable when you're having these type of conversations. There's so much to unpack there. You mentioned definitely GRR, gross renewal rate is your number. All the CSMs out there <laughs> always know your numbers, know GRR, know NRR, definitely how much are you expanding your accounts. Erica, now more than ever before in these turbulent economic times, having those numbers always with you or just understanding them always means that you can prove your value in, okay, numerical ways. There are other ways that you can showcase what you're doing also, probably like sharing some of the good feedback that you're getting from your customers with your managers. Very often, the business doesn't get all the great feedback because very often they get to hear only when there is some escalation, when things are maybe not going well. So make a point of providing everything good that your customers are telling you about as well. Other feedback that is not always numerical. And what I like, Erica, is really your attitude and approach towards those metrics. Like you don't wait to hear it from your managers. And I think that's very important. Like you are responsible for your own metrics and understanding them. And if you maybe perhaps don't have access to some of those reporting tools, it's something you can always ask your managers to understand what are you expected to deliver, right? What is it? Exactly. If you don't know that, that's the first point of, well, <laughs> you have a problem. You have to talk to your manager. What is it that you should be doing in your job if you don't know what are the expectations? I like how you don't wait for somebody else to tell you how you perform, but you own that responsibility to showcase how you're doing. And as you said, that really positions you well for any promotional conversation. Do you want to talk more about that? What other tips you have for positioning yourself for the promotion. Again, I can talk from the perspective of people leader. Leaders would have the idea of where you could go and how successful you are, how you're performing. But it's a huge difference when it's coming from you, from a CSM individually with all of the achievements that you're doing on your job and the idea of where could that lead you next? How do you approach? I have three tips when we talk about career advancements and meeting those goals. The first thing explains itself with what I've already shared, which is show, don't tell. And by show, don't tell, I mean, you need to keep track of your achievements. You need to be vocal about those achievements. So things that I've done is in the past, which was actually something that led me to be a principal customer success manager here at Adeptura. One of the things that, that I do a lot is not only share what I'm doing with my manager, but also with other members of the organization. Now, it's not about bragging because I don't think it's bragging. It's more of making them aware of what you're working on. So, for example, if you're working on a business case to product, right? Hey, you're receiving a lot of feedback from your customers that 
something is not working properly or they need a specific feature of your product to work differently. And you're hearing this feedback from three, four or five different customers. And if you're able to build a business case and put all of those customers together and, hey, this is the ARR that is being reported that they would want this function of the product to work differently and you build a case and share it with product, product can understand how you're going above and beyond to help them identify these type of changes that need to happen in a product to make customers more successful and happier. So it's about the things that you do internally. Just make sure that you're not keeping those to yourself. Like if you have a group chat, for example, if you use Teams or if you use Slack or if you have a group chat where you can share customer stories, do it. I can't tell you how many times I've been very vocal about what I'm doing. Like if I have a success story of a customer who, I don't know, tripled their licenses over the year, which I do, by the way, just make sure that everyone knows about it, right? Like post a case study on Teams chat where you have the customer success stories being shared. The more you talk about what you're doing, the more that people know. And when people know what you're doing, that's when they start noticing, hey, what's this girl doing? How is she doing it? How can we replicate whatever she's doing, right? So I guess that's my first advice. Can I just add to it? I just love that approach. And I wanted to say how you mentioned bragging previously. Firstly, like it's not bragging when it's based on fact. Second, exactly. <laughs> I mean, what you're doing is just so important for the business in general to really highlight those stories of customers in a way that is what is expected from CSMs because in a way you know what's happening on the ground, you are talking to those customers, other people don't. So in a way, it is actually a responsibility to showcase those stories to the organization. As a result, yes, they might be wondering, wow, what is she doing? Like, (laughs) it's really good. But that kind of naturally comes with just making them all aware. So I would just say this is such an important thing and nobody should underestimate the importance of showcasing all of that good work with customers. Sorry, go ahead. You have a few more (laughs) tips for us. (laughs) Yes, two more. Second, I would say optimize for outcomes and not for outputs. So what that translates to is it's not about how busy you are on a day. It's not about how many meetings you have with customers. It's not about having a crazy agenda. It's about working on the things that are really important and impactful for your customers and for your company, right? So if you see that there's, I don't know, a process, for example, within your company that's not working right because it's slowing down the process or it's making customers frustrated or whatever that is, like... You can take some time to focus on maybe working on something that can help improve that process, share it with your manager, and that impactful change can make your CSM's time more efficient. You can make a lot of changes. So sometimes it's not about how many calls you have, or it's not about how many things you're doing. It's about focusing on the important things that will make sure that you make a difference. And thirdly, one of the things that I think I've done in the past as well is creating your own opportunities. I feel like it's not your manager's responsibility. It's not your company's responsibility for your career advancement, right? You have to be able to create your own opportunities. It's just about paying attention to what's going on in your company. So sometimes maybe there's something that you don't have that we need. As an example, I can talk about the time that I pitched to the CCO the need for customer success operations here at Aptura. I was thinking like, hey, 
I'm running on, on, into all of these process issues and we don't have a process for this and we don't have a process for that and things are slow and, and manual and take a lot of time and my day goes by, but I don't know, waiting for a data report that I requested that takes 24 hours to generate. And I'm, and I'm thinking like, if we had customer success operations here, like these things would be a lot easier. I would be more efficient. My teammates would be more efficient and I could be handling more customers. So I'm like, we need customer success operations here. So that's what I mean by creating your own opportunities, like identifying the things that are missing, talking to your manager, hey, I think we need this. And that might be able to lead you to your next opportunity. If you're chasing an opportunity for customer success operations, that's one way to do it, right? So I'm not saying that every time that will result in a promotion or, or that will result on you advancing on your career, but it definitely helps that you're taking charge of what you want to do next and not waiting for anyone else to tell you what to do next. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's a wonderful lesson. It's a great skill to recognize the gaps and what can be done differently to improve it, but also to almost put yourself in a position that where you are showing that, well, there is a gap and actually I can solve for it. Exactly, that, exactly. That opens so many doors, even if it's not in a way of like promotion to mm -hmm. entirely different role or different titles at that moment, that opens up so many career opportunities grow. So that's a wonderful lesson. Thanks for sharing that, Erica. As we are wrapping up, firstly, thank you again for coming on the show and sharing all of those amazing insights into how to be really good and successful CSM to make your customer successful and really to bring lots of opportunities for growth and successes to your own business. For the end, I would like to find out from you, well, loads of things, but let me see one thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be remembered for one thing, what would that be? That's a really tough question, but I think my answer would be, I'd like to be remembered for that woman who went through life with risks and did everything in her hands to achieve what she wanted, right? Like I want to be remembered like for that person who traveled around the world, enjoyed life, who was vibrant and I don't know, just a happy person, a happy person who loves what she does, whatever that is. Passionate, passionate person. <laughs> a passionate person in every single way. That's something to aspire to. Thanks so much, Erica. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for listening. Next week, new episode. Subscribe to the podcast and connect with me on LinkedIn so you're up to date with all the new episodes and the content I'm curating for you. Have a great day and talk to you soon.